This morning I want to talk to you. Uh, it's been two weeks now since I got a chance to preach, but uh, just to get back on this series that we started, The Spirit-Filled Life. The Spirit-Filled Life. You know that scripture we read earlier in Second, Th- Second Timothy, that there's, there's a time coming in the last days where people are going to deny the power of God. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they won't want the power of God. They won't, they won't want the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know why particularly, but I, I think that, you know, you can go through the ritual of Christianity without jumping in the river. You know, it's kind of like the, the chicken and the pig. You can make a contribution to breakfast by laying an egg, but the pig's got to give everything. Amen? I mean, he's given the bacon. He's got to give everything. Amen? And Christianity is more than just contributing. It's giving everything. Amen? And whenever you give everything to the Lord, that's whenever God begins to work in your life. Right? So God is calling us this morning to live the Spirit-filled life, not the flesh-filled life, not the carnal life, but the Spirit-filled life. Amen. Father, I pray that you help me to just teach your word this morning. God, give me the grace. Give me the boldness. Give me the faith, God. Lord, I pray clear the atmosphere. God, release faith in the hearts of the people that are hearing your word today. Let it stir in their hearts today. God, may they be strengthened in their walk with you today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, Paul makes mention that we should live in the Spirit. How many of you know that the Spirit-filled life was never meant to be just a one-time event or a one-time spiritual experience? Amen? That's not the Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life was meant to be a life continuously and completely controlled and empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Every day, all day, Spirit-filled living. In Galatians 5, when Paul said... If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. In other words, Paul is saying, if we profess to live the Spirit-filled life, then let us demonstrate it through our actions, behavior, conversation, and our lifestyle. Our life should demonstrate the Spirit-filled life. Hello? Are y'all with me? How many of you know heathens demonstrate their heathenistic life? Are y'all with me? How many of you know Jesus said... You're not supposed to be going around judging people, but you ought to check out the fruit of people to see if they're genuine or not. He said, you're going to know them by their fruit. Say, don't judge me. No, don't judge, but check out the fruit. If we live the spirit-filled life, we should exhibit behavior that's spirit-filled. Amen? And, uh, and, and so the focus of our message today is living the spirit-filled life, not just going to a church but living the Spirit-filled life. And we're going to try to answer two questions today. Why should you desire to live the Spirit-filled life and how to practically live the Spirit-filled life? Number one, first question, why should we desire to live the Spirit-filled life? Well, there's a lot of reasons. And I just want to bring back our attention to that because I am motivated whenever I know there's something good in it for me. Amen? I mean, I'm selfish like that. How about you? You know, like even in serving people, we know it's the highest level of living and we're blessed if we give. So it motivates us to go bless others because we know in return, we're going to get blessed and we're going to feel better about ourselves whenever we give of ourselves. Amen. 
Selfish, self-centered people are the most miserable people on the globe. But whenever you learn to live and to give, it helps you be blessed. Well, to live the Spirit-filled life comes with blessings. And I just want to give you five good reasons to live the Spirit-filled life. It's not an exhaustive list, but it just encourages you. Number one, to improve the quality of your life. I believe that those who live the Spirit-filled life live the best quality of life. In Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 22, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if you want to live a loving life, a joyful life, a peaceful life, if you want to live with self-control where you're not given over to vices, then you need to live the Spirit-filled life. The more Spirit-filled you live, the more loving you're going to be, the more joyful you're going to be, the more peaceful you're going to be. Amen? Because it is the fruit of the Spirit. And so whenever we live the Spirit-filled life, we'll live with the joy of the Lord in our life. Amen? And you don't have to live depressed, discouraged, down and out. Amen? Hopeless, helpless. You can live full of joy and full of peace in your life. It comes through the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit-filled life. Amen? So it'll improve the quality of your life. The second reason to live the Spirit-filled life, it'll strengthen your prayer life. Romans 8, 26, if the same Spirit also helps our weakness, we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, the Holy Spirit strengthens your prayer life. Have you ever prayed and felt like like you, you needed more spiritual power to pray? You were up against a strong battle. You were dealing with some difficult circumstances and you just felt like you lacked a little spiritual authority or power in your prayer and you needed more unction from the Holy One. Come on, you ever been there? Well, the Holy Spirit infuses your prayer life with anointing and spiritual power and authority. Amen? Whenever you pray in the Spirit and pray with the Spirit and under the Spirit, it'll give you more spiritual power and authority. Amen? You know, when the Spirit of God comes on me, I notice I'm not, I'm not looking for words to say in my prayer. My mouth can't keep up with my brain because the Spirit is downloading all kinds of things for me to pray for. But whenever I'm not in, under the unction of the Holy One, sometimes I got long pauses because I'm trying to think, what should I pray for now? But whenever you pray on the unction of the Holy One, it gives you divine guidance so you know how to pray and what to pray. And you know what? It also helps you intercede the direct mind and the will of God. Sometimes I'm praying, I'm not sure this is what God wants, but whenever I pray in the Spirit, I'm praying the direct mind and will of God. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. Amen. A third good reason to live the Spirit-filled life is to live a life free from spiritual oppression. You know, there's oppression out there, and you know, you can just come under this cloud of darkness, this cloud of evil, this cloud of wickedness. There are oppressive neighborhoods. They are oppressive places in the, on the globe. But you know what? The most oppressive place can be changed through the power of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has the ability to break oppression. Amen. I might be depressed and discouraged, but if I will get in prayer and start praying and get under the Spirit of God, darkness has to flee. Come on, are y'all with me out there? The enemy's always trying to put bondages on us. He's always trying to get us under strongholds. But the anointing of God breaks the yoke. The anointing of God destroys the yoke. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit, 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. The Lord breaks the spiritual strongholds and bondages off our life so we can have a free life. Amen. We can leave, live in freedom and liberty. Amen. You know, sometimes we walk around on the earth and, and we got this heaviness all over us like we carry these burdens and these weights that are just come about just by living life. But I'll tell you, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. The more of the Spirit of God I have in my life, the freer I feel. The more liberated I feel. The less oppressive I feel. Come on, can you all hear me today? Amen. We need, the, we need the Spirit-filled life or else, even as a body of Christ, we'll be oppressed. We'll be heavy. We'll be depressed. We'll be discouraged. But the Spirit of God brings liberty and freedom. Amen. The fourth good reason to live the Spirit-filled life is to increase your spiritual influence in the world. How many of you want to make a difference for Jesus? You're not satisfied that you're going to heaven. You want to bring some people with you. Amen? You know, look, it's one thing whenever you go and find out about a good restaurant to eat, but, man, you got to share the good news. Amen? Man, you, can't, you got to come eat over here. There's some, some good groceries over here. Amen? Listen, it's not good enough that I'm going to heaven. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want to bring some people along with me. Come on, I want to bring some people with me into heaven. Amen. I want to make a difference in other people's eternity. I want to influence others, and I know you do too. How do you do that? Under the Spirit and the anointing of God. And that's what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth about my death and resurrection. Listen, however zealous we may be, we cannot in our own wit, in our, on our own strength, witness for Christ as effectively as he deserves, right? No matter how zealous we are, no matter how sincere we are, we need some help. Amen? Because how many of you know it's the Spirit of God that draws people to Christ? I mean, I can tell them what I believe and my opinions, how I have no effect. But if I tell them, under the Spirit's unction, the Spirit of God draws hearts to Christ. Nobody comes lest the Spirit draw them. Amen. The Spirit of God is the harvester of souls. And so the Spirit of God will give us the anointing, the wisdom, the compassion, and the boldness to reach others for Christ. You know, listen, when before I became a Christian and got filled with the Spirit, I didn't want to tell people about coming to church. I was afraid they would laugh at me, make fun of me, or whatever. I didn't want to be associated with that group of people because I was full of uh, a timidity and fear of man. But whenever the boldness of the Spirit came on me and I realized the perspective of it, so this is what you can do, Todd. You can be play it safe and keep your Christianity to yourself or you can allow the boldness of the Spirit to come on you and just be willing to invite people to church and tell them about why you don't cuss, snort, chew, spit, whatever, and just tell them about how Jesus made a difference in your life. And you could make some difference in somebody's eternity. Amen? So listen, how many of you know there's a lot of souls to reach in Acadiana and around the world? Amen. And you know, I found when I worked offshore on the platform, just whenever somebody would catch me reading my Bible, that was a strong witness. But I had to have the boldness to be willing to read my Bible, even if somebody saw me read it. Amen. So when the Spirit of God comes on you, you're going to receive power to effectively be my witness. 
We can't love people that are unlovable. Why would we want to go help other people that flooded? I mean, our houses say, I'll tell you why. Because a spirit of compassion comes upon you and says, look, man, you're blessed if your house didn't flood. Go help people whose house has flooded. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? Help me preach this morning. Amen. And then a fifth reason, good reason to live the spirit-filled life is it expands your capacity to worship God. It expands your capacity to worship God. You know, somebody that doesn't have the spirit, they are very, uh, they're, they're very um, limited in their ability to worship God. But how many of you know, under the unction of the spirit, when the, when the spirit of God inspires you to worship, you can worship like no other person can. And Jesus said in John 4, 23, the hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Do you know that you can worship in the flesh? If you can worship in the spirit, then you can worship in the flesh. What is worshiping in the flesh? I don't know, but I'm thinking where you're singing songs, but your heart is far from him. You're out here in church, but your mind's a million miles away, and you can't wait till you get out because this is just mundane to you, and there's no heartfelt passion in it. How many of you know God says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me? How many of you know the Lord wants our heart in it? Amen. He wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. And then he says, he says, uh, uh, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And again, however sincere we may be, we cannot on our own worship God as freely and as fully as he deserves to be worshipped. But whenever the spirit ignites your worship and you just surrendered, released, let go. You know, I believe the spirit of God breaks the spirit of pride. You know, how many of you know this, this is an attitude? And here we are worshiping Almighty God. How many of you believe the Spirit of God wants to undo our arms? And at least, it doesn't mean you're spiritual if you raise your hands, but y'all know what I'm saying, right? Y'all follow me, right? Pride don't want to worship, it wants to be worshiped. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so listen, whenever you're under the sanction of the Holy One, man, you know you're in the presence of royalty. Worship is to bow down, to give homage. And that's, that can't happen. Listen, while I was smart, snorting coke and smoking dope, I wasn't interested in worshiping God. But whenever I got saved and got filled with the Spirit... Things change, amen. I quit going worship on Friday nights and I started worshiping on Sunday mornings. Come on. Come on. That's going to get you in a little while. Come on. How many of you know they got a lot of church services on Friday and Saturday night? They got a lot of worshipers out there. Well, listen, you know what I thought? If I could go out there and, and just act like a crazy man... Under the influence, under the intoxicated. Well, man, I ought to be able to come to church and go crazy for Jesus. Amen. 
Come on, are y'all with me? Come on, I served the enemy with everything I had. Why not give the same passion into worshiping the living God? Amen. I think we should give nothing more passion than our worship to God. I mean, that's good if you're crazy about basketball or football, but don't get crazier about basketball or football than worshiping the living God. Amen. It's okay if you like to hunt fish. It's all right if you like to play golf, but don't get more excited about that than you are about worshiping the living God. Come on. I'm preaching to somebody today. God wants us to get crazy about our worship and he's looking for it. He's looking. He's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, I think about this. Whenever we're here gathered together, if Jesus walked through the door, Who would he come sit next to? Just a thought. Amen. Amen. So in the natural, we limited in our capacity to worship God. But in the spirit of God, it expands our capacity to worship God in a way that he wants us to be worshipped. Amen. Living the spirit-filled life will transform your life. And I'm trying to encourage you today. That Christianity is not meant to be a bunch of rules and regulations. It's meant to be a relationship, an engaging relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, I don't know about you, but I had, I had churchianity for a long time. I had religion for a long time, but it didn't do a whole lot for me. But whenever I tapped in to relationship and left religion, a whole lot changed. Amen. But a spirit filled life will cause you to go from the natural to the supernatural. It'll cause you to go from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Amen? Remember when the first miracle Jesus did, whenever he went to that wedding, and he turned water into wine? Remember that? You know, whenever I read that story, whenever I think of that story, he took something natural that was water, and he blessed it, put his spirit on it, and it became the best wine they had all evening. That's the kind of thing that Jesus can do with your life. He can take an ordinary life and he can make it extraordinary. Come on, are y'all with me? He can take just common man and make him something special with his spirit on it. You remember when Jesus went and had that crowd and he was ready to feed them? And he took that little boy's lunch and he blessed it. It was a little piece of bread, just a little bit. But with his blessing on it, it fed all these people, a multitude of people. That's the kind of thing that the Spirit of God can, can do whenever it's on a person's life. It can take a little bit and make it a lot. Amen? Amen? And so that, that gives me great encouragement. Lord, I'm just a little piece of bread. But Lord, if you touch it, it's going to make a big difference. Amen? Lord, I'm just like common man. But if you touch it, it can make a huge difference. Amen? Is it warmer in here or is it just hot up here? I see somebody. Is it hot in here? It's hot. No, it's hot up here. Man, it must be these lights up here. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 37. Are you there? This is a great picture of the possibilities of the spirit-filled life. This is a great story. I know many of you are familiar with it, but I want you to read it in context of the spirit-filled life. You know, listen, I believe that the devil will be satisfied if we can have religion but not, not serve him in the power of the spirit. Amen? Because the power of the Spirit makes all the difference in the world. When the church got empowered with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the thing exploded, man. And you know, the word that came, a revolution, that's what happened. 
It was more than a revival. It was revolution, man. Amen. And I, in Ezekiel 37 and 1, the Lord took hold of me, speaking of Ezekiel, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the bones and covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to those bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to give, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you, you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life, stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says on my people. I will open up your graves of exile, cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. That's a great story right there. I mean, that picture, just a valley full of dry bones. And the prophet comes and the Lord says, speak to them bones. Prophet, speak what, Lord? Tell them they're going to live. These are dry bones, Lord. Tell them they're going to live. Dry bones, uh, you're going to live. And all of a sudden, a rattling took place. And, and, and flesh comes from everywhere. And all of a sudden, these bones start coming together, you know. And all of a sudden, man, they're standing up. He said, now call the breath of God in them. And so he said, breath of God from the fall winds, come on. And the breath of God came in them. And all of a sudden, these dry bones became an army. Amen. A living army. Amen. Now listen, if the spirit of God can take dry bones and cause it to live, I think he can take us and fill us with his spirit and cause us to be a great army in the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? And so listen, the Spirit of God has the ability to take dead things and make them live again. Amen. He has the ability to open up the graves, things that have died, things that have that been decayed. And the Spirit of God has the ability to awaken it up. Amen. And some of you here today, maybe you feel like dead bones. You have a, you, you've lived a life that was dead, hopeless, discouraging, and all that kind of stuff. Can I encourage you today? The Spirit of God alone, by itself, coming into your life, can cause your hopelessness to leave, your helplessness to evaporate, your discouragement to go. He can put new vision in you, new dreams in you, new fire in you. And instead of dragging yourself up on Monday morning to get out of bed, you will bounce out of bed because you'll be filled with purpose and hope from the Spirit of the living God. Amen. The Spirit-filled life can change 
people's lives from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from the natural to the supernatural. Amen. And so if I was the devil, I would say, church, don't embrace the power of God. Don't embrace the spirit of God. Be a valley of dry bones. Don't be an army for the living God. Amen. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants us to be an army, not a valley. Are you in agreement? Now, why should we desire to live the spirit-filled life? Because living the spirit-filled life has the able, has the ability to transform you. Transform your life. Amen. So how do we practically live the spirit-filled life? Well, first you've got to be born again. And that's what Jesus told John, uh, excuse me, Nicodemus in John, in John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills, just, and just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes or where it goes. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. The Spirit-filled life begins when it becomes spiritually born. How many of you believers in here say amen to that? Whenever you give your life to Christ, whenever you surrender, you know, it's different. You know, I believed in God. I prayed. I went to church, but I never surrendered my life and got born again. Whenever I made that decision, I realized, man, You know, I believe in God, I pray to God, but I'm a heathen, man. I can't stop doing these bad things. I need my sins forgiven because i got a lot of them. And whenever I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and invited him to come into my life and take over my life, a spiritual birth happened. I was born of the Spirit. How many of you know that's the beginning of the Spirit-filled life right there? You're awakened. It's kind of like those dry bones. The breath of God comes in you and now you're awake. That's the beginning. But it doesn't stop there. How many of you know there's more to the spirit-filled life than just being born again? Secondly, you must be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And and some people are not living the spirit-filled life because of their lack of knowledge. They, They haven't yet heard there's more to experience than just being born again. They think they got everything they needed to get because they walked down the aisle and asked Jesus to forgive them. But that's not that's not all there is. There's a whole lot more. To the spirit-filled life. Amen? You know, I found out that we leak. The spirit leaks out of us. Amen? But listen, you know, there were some Ephesian disciples who were not living the spirit-filled life even though they were Christian. And, uh, but, and they hadn't heard that there was another experience. And in Acts chapter 19 and 1, it says, It happened that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus, and formed some disciples. And he and found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they said to him, no, we haven't heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And verse six says, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. Now, obviously, these Ephesians were disciples, but they not they had not yet received all the Lord had for them. It came. uh, um, They had another experience with God. 
later after they'd become disciples. Amen? And some are not living the Spirit-filled life because of their wrong knowledge. They think that just because they gave their life to Christ, that there's more. Saints of God, can I tell you? There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit to be had. And listen, I believe this with all my heart. But you know what I find? Even preaching it in church, I feel a resistance in me to preach it because there's teaching against it. The people saying there's nothing more. There's nothing. And I know there's that opposition out there. And so right now it just gives me great pleasure to in the boldness of the spirit to say there is more. There is more. There is more. There is more to just being born again. And that's what Jesus said. Now, you must be baptized with the spirit. The Samaritan believers in Acts 8 were not living the spirit-filled life because... They were not told that there was more for them to receive. In Acts 8, 14, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he hadn't fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here you got saints that are not baptized with the Spirit yet. So these Ephesian believers received the word of God. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, but there were still more for them to receive. And so some believe that when you're saved, you received all there is pertaining to the Holy Spirit. But according to Peter and John, there was more for the Samaritans to believe, uh, to, to have. And I believe there's more for us to have. Amen. And so after getting prayed for, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe we can all have three relationships with the Spirit. One the Holy Spirit with us. John 14, 6, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Before we even become Christians, the Holy Spirit works in our lives, convicting us and drawing us to Christ. Isn't that right? How many of you could see God working in your life before you surrendered, before you got saved? He's in these earth, he's convicting and he's drawing people to Christ. That's why all you do is invite people and just try to be a friend to them. The Holy Spirit draws people to him. That's his job, amen? The second relationship is the Holy Spirit in us, John 20. So Jesus said to them, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? But listen, now, not many, not long after he tells them, but now listen, you need to go to Jerusalem and wait to be empowered. To wait to be clothed with power from on high. And this is the third relationship. The Holy Spirit on us. In, in Luke 24, 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus breathed on the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. Then he tells them to stay in Jerusalem until they're clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke uh, spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For listen, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the spirit. This is the same disciples he had breathed on. This third relationship with the Holy Spirit is a relationship or an experience every Christian needs. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen? 
You don't have to. You get to. Amen? You don't have to. It's a privilege. And listen, there are not too many churches in America that will stand in the pulpit and tell you what I'm telling you this morning. They're afraid of who might get offended and leave and, and bring their tide with them. They're afraid of people that will, will come against it or whatever. But listen, saints of God, I feel, I feel the unction this morning. If I believe this, I believe this. And why would I believe this but afraid to hurt people's feelings or run people off, withhold what's changed my life? To be filled with the power of the Spirit of God is an experience that every believer needs to have. If you don't want it, you don't have to get it, but I'm telling you, it's available to all. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to take a chance. If you believe me, great. If you don't believe me, it's fine. But I'm telling you, there's an empowerment of the Spirit of God that I've personally experienced in my life that is available to every believer. Amen. And so, how do you receive it? You First, you've got to ask. In Luke 11, verse 13, If you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He will give it to you. Amen. But then you must believe. You must believe that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 2 and 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you've received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. To all who have been called. Not some. To all who have been called by God. It's for everybody. Why would Jesus say, you know, look, I got some good gifts here, but I'm just going to give it to a select few. But, by the way, I want you to live in victory. I want you to make a difference. No, he said, you're going to receive power. He said, hang out here and stay here in prayer until you're endued with power from on high, and you're going to be my witness. Amen. You must believe. And then you got to confess. You know, the Lord won't make you speak in tongues. You have to first have faith to believe you can. And you got to open your heart and your spirit and surrender. In Acts chapter 19 and 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Thirdly, you must keep praying in the Spirit. Not just get Spirit-filled. And listen, you know what I believe a key to getting Spirit-filled is? Is you got to surrender. you got to surrender. You know, Jesus said you got to give up your life. you got to surrender. The more you surrender, the more spirit-filled you are. The more you surrender, the more you depend on God, the more you lean on God, the more spirit-filled you'll be. You can pray in tongues but not live the spirit-filled life. If you're living for yourself and you're not living the way of God, you're not going to be spirit-filled even though you spoke in tongues. you got to surrender to God. you got to depend on God. Come on, are y'all with me? You got to feed your spirit, man. You got to get into the Bible. You got to read the Bible. You got to pray. If you want to be spirit filled, you got to have prayer life. Amen. You got to spend time in prayer. A prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless life will be absent of the filling of the spirit of God. But listen, not only do you get filled with the spirit, thirdly, you must keep praying in the spirit. 
It's not a one-time experience where you pray in tongues one time and, oh, I did that, it's done. No, it's a daily thing. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I thank God I pray in tongues. Jude 20 says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit, Ephesians 6 says. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. You need to pray in the Spirit often, many times throughout the day. Are you all with me today? And some of you have been Spirit-filled, and this is your word today. Come on, you need to be refilled. You need to let the Spirit of God out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It wasn't meant to be a trinkle or just a little shot. It's meant to flow out of you a river of living water. Amen. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. We need to be spirit-filled. Now listen, you don't have to be, you don't have to speak in tongues if you don't want to. But you know what? I want you to know you can. And I want you to know that it's, it's, it's available to those who are hungry, to those who are thirsty, who, to those that want more. I'm telling you today, it's available to the to the whole body of Christ. Can I get a witness? Can somebody help me today and give me a witness here?